So it's been a while since the last outing for Daniel Craig uh, with Spectre, but we're finally getting a look at the No Time to Die teaser. Not a trailer, but a teaser for the trailer, which infuriates me a little bit. John, did you get to see it? I did. I I saw it twice because I blinked the first time and missed it. Mm. Uh, The 15-second teaser really is not much content at all. It's like watching Hussein Bolt do like the 100 meter dash. You're just like, all right, I don't know why I bought tickets to the stadium in the Olympics to watch people run because it's over before you know it, but oh well. But it's basically on Wednesday, a trailer drops for Daniel Craig's last outing as James Bond in his fifth movie, No Time to Die, which I love this name for a movie. It is so James Bond. I love it. So Bond so bond and the movie slated for april 2020 release and this was released sunday night something like that yeah pretty recently yeah and uh my thoughts even though it was 15 seconds long which i do hate it gave me chills like skyfall chills okay i thought i thought specter was okay i know a lot of like huge james bond people like people who've watched every single movie were like oh it's a back to the original it felt more like old bond i understand that but time does move forward a little bit and i do like the skyfall feel yeah um and how the villain was more menacing rather than like gimmicky like mm-hmm. the other bond villains are but the shots they took and the stuff they included in this teaser was really cool like the Aston Martin with the Gatling guns, oh my the gosh. motorcycle jump, the woman in the tra- uh, the teaser with the Kimbo machine guns, and we didn't get to see Rami Malek, but we got to see this like ghostly figure. So I'm all in on this, and I'm probably gonna be very excited for when the trailer actually drops. Yeah, I mean, I know it's only 15 seconds. It kind of reminded me a little bit of a mix between like Casino Royale and Skyfall. Uh, just in like the way the action was shot the the feel of it like you said kind of the overall vibe i mean i'm definitely gonna watch the trailer and i'm cautiously optimistic that this would uh redeem craig's franchise i think especially since skyfall and that was kind of like the pinnacle of it and did not really maintain that for for very long afterwards you mean with specter yeah which i mean i there were parts of it that I enjoyed, but I, I definitely think it was a step back from Skyfall. Yeah, I would I would agree I would agree with that. Like it just when Skyfall hits so well and then you have Spectre, it's just like eh. They changed directors too, so maybe the writing and maybe some of the shots and the acting, which I did like Christoph Waltz, but but I think it could have been he could have been more menacing if they wanted to. But with that, you know, I just hate how I have to like I see it's Sunday night. I have to wait all the way to freaking Wednesday. Like, like, dude, come on. Just if you're going to do the teaser, do it like the day before so that everyone knows like, oh, my gosh, I have 24 hours to digest this. And then it comes out. Oh, my gosh. I'm When I wake up, hopefully I'll be up. But no, it's like three days out. Cool. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I think it's just like teaser culture in general where you just you want the topic to be trending for as long as possible. So they think, oh, well, if I release it like a week in advance, then people will be talking about it for the next week. But no, like, I mean, we're going to talk about it for maybe like another minute or two more. And then that's going to be it until Wednesday. Yeah. Do you think this movie's going to be, uh, do you think it's going to live up to the end uh, or live up to the hype of uh, the last James Bond? Do you think it looks 
good. I mean, it from like I said, from like the ten frames that we've seen, I think it looks <laughs> good. I mean, it it sounds like they're trying to throw a fair amount of plot development into the movie to kind of pivot the franchise in a new direction. So I hope that they can balance that with tying off Daniel Craig's arc and make it an entertaining movie and not just kind of shoehorn in all the different things that they want to fit to kind of kickstart it with a new actor next. Like I said, I mean, like, I I think they'll do all right. I mean, I hope that they kind of take the all the high points from the, the good movies and listen to the fans and criti- critique themselves very well. Pivot. Pivot. <laughs> Pivot. Don't forget. And then what's your uh, thought on teasers? Oh, God. Teasers are dumb. If you're going to show me something, I want to see the thing. I don't want to know that I'm going to see the thing in three days. I mean, like, we've talked about this on other episodes where I'm very impatient and I want all the things now. Uh, So I don't... like, Like, there's no... There's no... There's not even really any hints in there about like what the movie's going to be about. Um, there's not really any time to show anything besides a shooting gun in a car. And teasers in general are just very dumb to me. I don't like them. Luckily, they didn't do the cardinal sin of like the five second, like the trailer to the trailer. And you're like, bro, get this garbage out of here. Where it's just yeah. like, no, you have like THX sound and maybe like some <laughs> some shots of this movie of like a gorilla or something like boat going through a bunch of buildings close up on the rock's face and then it's like the trailer for rampage and you're like oh my gosh and then the trailer starts and it's ridiculous oh like Stupid. those short little facebook ads those are even worse a facebook ad zuckerberg <laughs> all right everyone welcome to the summon up podcast uh we just did a little bit of a talk our columns morally about the uh no Time to Die teaser. Hope you enjoyed that. But this is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I am joined by my good friend, John. Yes. Happy holidays, John. Happy and holidays. And Chris, we are your co-hosts for the day. And uh, John, how you doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, Chris? I am so excited for the holiday season. And you know, it really kicks off with either football with my Dolphins winning some crazy game against the Eagles. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. They were supposed to lose, and they ruined Eagles fans' uh, hopes and dreams, which I know they still have chances down the stretch. But for this week, I am a wiener. I'm a winner, basically. And, uh, yeah, I love I love Christmas time or holiday time, whatever you want to call it. There's a bunch of cheer, a bunch of good deeds you could do for people. Wearing a lot of red and green, and red's my mm. favorite color, so yeah. Definitely best time of year. <laughs> so, what you got for us today, John? So, I wanted to talk about uh, a Joker 2 theory that's been circulating around. Joker 2 is not even in production. Uh, it's just kind of the, on the radar right now. Um, but people are already speculating about what it's going to be about, uh, what it could kind of introduce. One of the main theories that I've kind of been kind of keeping an eye on is the second Joker introducing the real Joker that we're going to see in future uh, iterations of the Batman. Some of the things I like about this theory, Arthur Fleck is not typically the idea of uh, what we've seen as Joker in other iterations where he's this criminal mastermind uh, who is able to uh, mentally just foil anything that Batman throws at him that is always two steps ahead of him. 
he was really more behind the eight ball and everything. He was uh, accidentally causing riots. He was more of an indirect menace than a direct one. Um, something else I like about it is uh, Arthur Fleck, age-wise, doesn't line up with Bruce Wayne that uh, like he typically mm-hmm. does in the comics and movies. I mean, we've seen uh, the super creepy image of uh, Arthur Fleck put his fingers into Bruce Wayne's mouth, oh, Bruce Wayne yeah. not react at all, and have him form a smile, and that shot will forever be ingrained in my brain, and I hate it, and it's so weird. See, I'm not weird. I'm not weirded out as much by that as like I. Yes, it's disgusting. I, I get that, but what also got me was like when he cocks his head and he's got the white. Uh, makeup on and he's got the green hair like when he doesn't have any of the normal makeup to go with it like the inflections when he's got those guys in his apartment like the other two clowns he worked with yeah and he's just like closing off the doorway like talking to him like you know like hey everything's great it's everything's spiraling but i love it (laughs) see and that's the cool thing because i think that arthur fleck would be a great kind of archetype or like an inspiration for the future joker um, and that he is kind of this figurehead of all the chaos that's been happening in Gotham that has kind of been inspired by uh, the events that he was kind of indirectly involved in. And so I think it would be really interesting to see kind of a mirrored uh, development between Bruce Wayne and another character uh, that would soon to be that would eventually be the Joker, where uh, Bruce Wayne, his interaction with all of the riots that were caused by by the Joker led to his parents' death, um, which led him down the path to become Batman. So that kind of that dark spiral into who he became. And then if those riots uh, impacted someone else in a way that inspired them to see, oh, well, this is what happens when uh, this is what we can do to create change. This is how change should happen in a community. So kind of more of like a dark mirroring of of their upbringings in that whether... Arthur Fleck eventually like mentors this future Joker or not. It doesn't really matter. Uh, or if he's just kind of off in the distance as uh, like a very distant inspiration for him. I think that could be a very interesting story between the, uh, the rise of a new Joker and the fall of a Bruce Wayne and their mirrored interaction, the wealthy versus poor, the, uh, the physical versus psychological match for them. And uh, we've also known that Joker is an unreliable narrator in his own storytelling, like we saw with Heath, Heath Ledger's Joker, like we've seen in the, the comics. Um, oh, so and, the- and definitely, definitely Arthur Fleck's version when, you know, he's he thinks he's, you know, dating this girl, but he's imagining it the whole time. Yeah. Like, that was really well done. It, oh, it absolutely. Really was. I am very, very skeptical that people are already talking about doing a second one and what they want that to be. I don't think you have two Jokers. I think that muddies it up, the legacy of the Joker and where he has been in the comment, the the comics. But I do believe this is a more realistic take on the Batman series, mm-hmm. much like I would think with Christopher Nolan. However, the difference is that Christopher Nolan has a different palette to his works. Christopher Nolan's is more mobster and bigger picture, whereas this was more character piece with Arthur Fleck. Mm-hmm. And I think that you could still you could still transfer that into the second one, but I don't want to see it that, you know, you know, I know understand Arthur Fleck's on a mastermind, but he can develop that a little bit, or you can have another bad guy into the scene and then Arthur walks upon it and makes it chaotic. 
you know, maybe Bruce Wayne has, as the Batman has got the city, you know, on his side, there's a new bad guy, you know, and he has to outsmart him. And as soon as he does, Arthur Fleck comes into the mix and just ruins everything, you know, and but that kind of story I would be more excited for. But that's just my idea. I haven't read that anywhere on the Internet or anything, but these ideas uh, that they have for two jokers, I just don't like it. It doesn't it doesn't do the character any justice in that way if you have multiple clones of it. I think it needs to be there are different versions of the Joker, but having more than one at the same time, it just doesn't seem to work for me. Yeah, I mean, I and I mostly agree with you. Um, I do think that what they've developed with this movie and how it is its own standalone project, um, I think a sequel uh, that ties it more into the Batman universe would just kind of muddy the water and would almost dilute the impact that the original movie had. Um, I think you're right. I think it just it should be a standalone movie about um, the impact on uh, the mental health community and. Uh, the way that a city just crumbles under the right circumstances. I don't think they need to tie it in with Batman. I think the whole Wayne connection was more of uh, like an indirect tie-in, yeah. not really something that was ne- like a necessity to then be a jumping off point to bring Batman into the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm totally okay with this being its own thing and maybe have, having a sequel if they can find the right story for it. But then in the um, Robert Pattinson movie, uh, just having it, maybe having another Joker altogether that is disconnected enough from Arthur Fleck. Um, and that way, in its own way, we have multiple Jokers existing with their own origins to where there is not one unified, this is how the Joker was formed, this is who he is. Uh, so that way he can still be that unreliable narrator and uh, oh, kind of have that man. murky background. I just don't like it. I, you know, I, I, I just, just introducing like, you know, someone who's inspired by the Joker. I don't want them to use the name Joker. I want them to be like a copycat. You know, you you have like copycat killers out in society and someone who's inspired. I'll take that, but I want a different name. Like if they want to do like Fox Joker or something like that and spelled out that way, I, I would be, I would be more inclined to, to think it would work. Uh, but to bring to bring back Joaquin Phoenix and to have him do the Arthur Fleck character again to fight off against a billionaire it, who's got all these cool gadgets if they're going to stay true to the comics. I don't think it's going to happen. And if they're yeah. going to make it more realistic like the Nolan, um, someone who has an incredible amount of resources and fights the underworld still. Yeah, no, I, I don't see it. I don't see it working out. However, I, I only say that because... I've we've seen WB try and do things their way and it falls apart. And when you have really good directors be like, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. And they're like, "Okay, kid, go do what you want and you won't make any money. And then it makes, I don't know, a billion dollars for the first radar movie with uh, the Joker. You know, it makes me more inclined to say as long as they have the right people on the project, I have faith. But with that being said, what I would like to see if they do go the sequel route and if they're going to introduce like a fox joker real joker or something like arthur fleck what i would like to see is that there's no arthur fleck but what he did to gotham by killing uh you know by the wayne's uh the wayne's dying and his you know insurrection everyone being made as a clown i want that to be the breaking point for the city 
And I want us to get uh, exposition of all this stuff that happened while Bruce was growing up that descended the city into chaos. So that way, this there there are no stakes when you introduce Batman when he does get when he does decide to fight crime. I want it to be where the odds or the the cards are stacked against him immensely that it's so ingrained because of what Arthur Fleck did in the past. Kind of like how we deal with the ramifications of losing Tony Stark in the cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. How how we lose Robert Downey Jr.'s character. I want it to feel like that but in a darker, you know, there's so much things wrong rather than good type of feeling. So let me get your thoughts on this just before we move on, just your quick thought on this. So rather than the sequel being a focus on the Joker and its connection to to Batman, what do you think about the sequel being more of an origin story for Gotham in a way that um, the Joker was the first kind of bowling pin to fall in the first movie and the sequel uh, led or leads to another villain taking over and that continual uh, decline of the city as a whole. And in future movies, we pass the torch from one villain to the next and see the city continue to fall more and more into chaos. I'm fine with that. You keep on passing off the torch. But in that regards, you need to have a payoff in which I do think at the end of that, you have to bring in Arthur Fleck again. But as someone who's more refined as mm-hmm. or as someone who is the wild card for the rest of the villains who are now losing their grip on the city and that Batman is believing in the people. Batman is getting the cops to come around and, you know, not be corrupt. And that's the, that's the only way I see that series working out. And in which case I think that's a huge risk that I don't think WB would take, but I think fans alike would love that because that is in itself a larger plot development and a callback that I would, see more from marvel than i would trust from dc that's fair speaking of wild speculation no boy and speculating about what future things could be um the next thing i wanted to kind of talk about was now that we're halfway through the mandalorian we have a pretty good sense of who this character is uh, a kind of a general idea of where they're going with it i just wanted to take a second and just wildly speculate about where we think that they're going to go for the next four episodes the next four episodes yeah the first four episodes you know i've enjoyed it we still haven't seen some of the things that were in the trailers like the storm the stormtrooper helmets on pikes haven't seen that yet yeah in kind of preparing for this i went back and i rewatched all the trailers that i could find and we've seen probably 75 to 80 percent of the material they've put out in the in the trailers um, there are still those few things like the helmets on the pikes as like that opening shot, which was, oh, I gave me the chills. Um, uh, we haven't seen any of Bill Burr's character. Um, we haven't seen Moff Gideon yet, the death troopers that he's with. So there's still all of these characters they're trying to introduce in a relatively short period of time. I mean, in less than two hours based on how the previous episodes have gone. Um, so what kind of like what are your overarching thoughts about the kind of main plot points they're going to hit for these next four episodes well i think that as a series since we're at the halfway point i think they've done a good job leaving me not knowing where the series is going to go as far as uh specifics well we know that baby yoda is the central plot point that is moving the story along for the mandalorian who 
if he didn't meet the baby would just be doing the same thing no matter what uh, i do think that you know it is going to be like you said and what i guess the rest of the internet is saying is that the kid's going to get uh captured by moff gideon or moff gideon's coming after him now and uh there's going to be bill murr i do not know whether he works for moff gideon i do not know if he is a bounty hunter himself he does look like what the army he has in the trailers that he is uh empire or something along those lines and for me i think we're going to go in the direction of he's going to lose the kid yeah I think he's going to I think he's going to lose the kid but I think baby Yoda and a lot of people are saying don't do this to me but I think baby Yoda is going to die. Oh my god, the internet would literally break if that happened. Well, think I think about it in terms of this. There needs to be something at stake and someone has to die and or someone doesn't have to die but I think for this series to really to for this series to really impact us, I I think it's something either the kid needs to die or the it just needs to be one of those things i i I don't see how else it goes through and i want the bounty hunter i want mandalo the mandalorian to be to me now public enemy number one and i want to see how he fights that in future seasons i don't think the baby yoda i don't think baby yoda surviving for the whole time is going to help propel the story further along and uh yeah, I, I think that's where we go. I still don't think we see any part of the New Republic uh, since we're still on the Outer Reaches. I think that's something we could probably see in the next season if they bring it up. And I'm excited to see... I, I, I really am excited to see these Stormtrooper helmets on pikes. Mm-hmm. I think it's not... I don't think they would do that on a Republic or New Republic type of planet. I think that would be on like the Bounty Hunters, like where the huts control everything. I want... I want to see like that kind of old Western still. And then next season, we'll get the futuristic cool stuff with buses flying everywhere and diners and uh, Jamba Juice and all that cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, a lot of good thoughts. I uh, So kind of where my head is more at is um, I think in the next episode, maybe two at the most, I think we're going to get introduced to Moff Gideon. And I think he's going to basically be retracing the steps of the Mandalorian as a way to track him down to get the child, which I think would be a good way to reintroduce the clients, uh, maybe kill off the people as he meets them um, so he could meet the client first, then uh, be led to uh, the planet with Yagnot, maybe have Nick Dalty's character die, uh, maybe be Oof. led next to um, Gina Kronos' planet uh, with all that, that community he was just with. Um, which could then uh, be a way to have Gina Carano or uh, Cara Dune escape the planet and contact the Mandalorian and say, hey, these people are coming for you. You need to get out of here now. Take the kid and run um, and kind of just be like a wildfire chasing down the Mandalorian, which would then lead to them meeting either in space or on a planet uh, and definitely uh, leading to a fight because he's got all of those stormtroopers and the death troopers with Moff Gideon. So he's got a small army with him as kind of this remnants of the Empire. So I think I think we're, we're probably going to be reintroduced to some of these characters as a way of just kind of setting closure to where the Mandalorian has been and giving stakes and uh, this certain level of like villainy to Moff Gideon. 
to show the, how mm. serious he is about tracking down this child as a way to restore order, to rid, rid, the, universe, rid the universe of the Force. But I definitely think we're going to see how big of a threat he is here very soon. I, I wonder I wonder when we do see Moff Gideon if it is going to be the next episode or towards the end. We did get our filler episode. Kudos to you, Dave Filoni, for your fillers. Yeah. Um. I just want to see. I want to. I want to see more. I want to see the Mando get hurt by the Empire. I want them to throw everything that they have left because it's the Empire's not in control anymore. But I, I just don't understand how the scale of Star Wars. And this is where I get it in a reality standpoint. If you're talking about how big space is and stuff like that, yeah, Mando could get away with going untracked, people not after him as much. I get it. It's a big place. That that's put into a real perspective. But with Star Wars, the there's always something there's always something going on. You know, there's never like any downtime. And I feel like with this we got some downtime. In the Clone Wars there is not a lot of it and because those are filler episodes if it does and i i just i don't want that i don't want that in mandalorian but i feel like dave filoni's gonna give it to us and i'm like no i like dave filoni so far from watching the clone wars but i need this story to propel and i hope i hope we see moff gideon in the next chapter and i hope it's not as someone who's got his hands directly in the pot i hope that comes in the last two chapters or episodes where you finally get to see him in front of the Mandalorian. I want him to be pulling strings right now. I could, I could definitely see that and just kind of be the man behind the curtain for just a little while longer. Yeah, make like make Bill Burr's character the errand boy. Make make that happen. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm a fan of that. Um, so then, do you think that he would be more of the main threat in uh, in season two, pretty consistently throughout the whole season? Uh, you're saying Moff Gideon or Bill Burr? Moff Gideon. Oh man, that's tough. I think Moff Gideon, I don't think Moff Gideon, I think Moff Gideon, yeah, continues in season two if he gets the kid or they kill the kid or something along that, those lines. Uh, I'd like to see Moff Gideon return. I like to see him more of a, as a more of a villain who needs other friends. I want the villains to get bigger. And I want Bill Burr's character to be like the person you run in. Like I want Bill Burr's character to be like the chicken and Family Guy, where whenever <laughs> Peter sees him, they get into some epic fight, and then you know Peter leaves him for dead, and then the chicken gets up like at the end of it. I want that to be like the Mando and Bill Burr, but I don't think Bill Burr's ever going to come back. Oh my uh, god! I think if we sold season. it to him like that, I think he would definitely take that. Oh my gosh, it would be great. Yes. <laughs> with those little, with those, that, that little robot gun he has on him, it's so great. But yeah, from my idea is that Moff Gideon does survive season two. But my question to you is, you said Nick Nolte as a casualty. Uh, do you think you see any casualties besides that of the Ugnaught? Do you think we lose something big that the Mandalorian takes precious or thinks is precious or is someone used against him? Is there a betrayal coming up? Well, I don't know about betrayal, but kind of like what I was saying, um, if he's going, if maybe if Moff Gideon goes from planet to planet, tracking him down when he gets to that community that, uh, the Mandalorian and the child were part of for those weeks, uh, if he either kidnaps or just straight up kills, um, was it O'Mara? Uh, if he oh, kills make her, it happen. Yes. Make it happen. So then if Cara Dune escapes the planet, she can tell him that Omero was killed 
that makes it emotional that makes it connect with him to where he then redirects and goes after moff gideon i want that not so much because like oh i'm so invested in the love story no because i want moff gideon to seem like a badass i want him to kill i want him to be ruthless see that that is more going into the development of moff gideon which is what i so desperately want because we don't have a darth vader in this universe there's no deadly force user who's who's got the all black you know who's got the deep voice the lightsaber we don't have any of that no even hooded robes no darth sidious stuff this is moff gideon if he does something as ruthless as that oh oh this series gets propelled it goes i think it goes to then game of thrones territory because we're already in memeable content you know like (laughs) oh winter is coming we got baby yoda it's blowing up the internet people have no idea what's going on this this is star wars's moment oh i hope i really hope they made moff gideon that kind of ruthless character see and i think this is their chance to make a non-force user villain that level of a threat because i mean even snoke who wasn't like a who wasn't a traditional sith he was still force sensitive um but all of the major villains they've seemed to have in uh in star wars lore are all somehow connected to the force but if they just have just like with the mandalorian as uh he's not force sensitive he doesn't know what it is but he's still this force of chaotic good in a, in the most general mm-hmm. sense so if they just have non-force users reach that kind of pinnacle of good versus evil in a way um i think it's i think it's potential to be really good storytelling here pretty soon i would agree i would 100 percent agree and uh the last place i'll leave it at is two people grand admiral theron yes non-force user does terrible things and grand moff tarkin okay who blew up <laughs> who blew up alderaan i was just like oh come on now seriously you thought you thought i was gonna let them go it's a test let's blow it up and even so even when he did in rogue one where they blew up uh jedda yeah that's what it was jedda and they blew up jedda and then alderaan is he's still you know even though he dies in episode four is still ruthless and i love it that's what that's what the empire has to be yeah no and i i definitely agree that uh maybe this is the series where you introduce those types of villains just the non-force users that pose more of a threat um uh just to like the overall universe i think is they're much more earthly villains that i in a, in a lot of ways and i think that would be very relatable earthly villains <laughs> where are they gonna go to baby yoda and like want some candy <laughs> get in my van no that'd be terrible but yes. <laughs> getting away from that you know we've talked a lot about this but i touched on it a little bit watching clone wars i'm at the end of season two still got like maybe four more episodes liking it so far i have friends telling me it gets better excited that's what i'm watching john what you watching so uh i went ahead and i just finished uh the first season of the show making it it's on hulu it's with amy poehler and nick offerman uh leslie nope and ron swanson from the uh from parks and rec they host a show about uh just uh craftsmen making things from show to show uh, and it's a, it's a small competition and the winner got a hundred thousand dollars and oh cool um, it just I, I loved parks and rec i love seeing their interaction as as people and they basically are their characters uh in human form 
Hmm. Um, it was really entertaining. It was just really wholesome. You got to see. It's just a really uplifting show overall. And I think you need that every once in a while. So it, it seems good... like HGTV meets Comedy Central. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, in a lot of ways, it was it was good. It's a nice palate cleanser to a lot of the darker stuff that's out there that I've kind of been watching. Like, oh my gosh. People getting kidnapped. People getting vaporized. Jawas dying. And Ooh, now Leslie little... Nob and Ron Swanson are having a pun off. Ooh. No. Sometimes we need that. Just yeah. like I did remember the Titans last week. So Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Palate cleansing. Put some ginger on it. Be perfect. Mm. All right, everyone. Well, that will do it for the uh, Summit Up podcast this week. Uh, tune in later in the week for another Mandalorian review, right? Is it this week they got one out? Yeah. 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 I, I think there's a break somewhere in it. Oh, but that doesn't come till episode nine release. But yeah, we still have time. We'll be doing another review of Mandalorian uh, Chapter 5, Episode 5. It'll be cool. It'll be nice. And everyone get in the holiday spirit. It is Cyber Monday. Get you a TV. Get you uh, get you something nice. Well, Chris, you know? they will have gotten them a TV because we will soon be editing this and then post it on Tuesday. It will right. no longer be Cyber Monday. So this is much like when people put their blinkers to tell you not where they're going, but where they were. It's the same thing I'm doing to you right now. I'm telling you where you're going to be going. Uh, or, you know, in that line of thought. Time is You're going to buy Chris. a TV. And you did buy a TV. I'm predicting what they're doing. TVs have and will be bought. Yes. <laughs> if, if, only, if only I could invest in the stock market on just TVs. No brand, just TVs. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be a billionaire. Oh, my God. All right, everyone. Y'all have a wonderful week and happy holidays. Bye.